It's the NHL team whose logo is seen here. Roger. Who are the Blues? The St. Louis Blues, right. No, I'm just getting warmed up. Happy to see you again. Don't be nervous. Don't be rocky. You're a teenage guest is jockey now. And let me begin by wishing you a beautiful... Look. Did that voice inside you say, I've heard it all before. It's like days It is Thursday, October 12th, 2023. Hi, kids. You are at jconthelinecom Phone is ringing already. Timing, timing, 
timing. All right, so let me tell you, if I sound a little slow this morning, there's good reason for that. One forty-five in the morning, what happened last night, I was staying up trying to watch those damn baseball games, and uh, I fell asleep in my recliner in front of the television in the studio office thing that I have here where I'm sitting right now. One forty-five in the morning, the TV, my phone, and my daughter's phone all go off with that emergency warning thing when there's a tornado. They don't do it for a tornado watch. They do it for a tornado warning, which means an actual tornado has been spotted or picked up on radar. And it's not just like conditions are right, like a tornado watch, which we're still under right now down here, down in Florida. But 145 in the morning, all the alarms start going off. You know, of course, I, you know, TV's on already. And so I'm watching and the meteorologists are all there at the TV stations and they're telling you what's happening. And I, and I'm not making this up. I may even have a tape of it from last night. I'm not making this up. It's my neighborhood. I'm watching the TV and I'm seeing the map basically of my house. And so now I'm like, what the? So I run outside to just sort of see what's going on. It's very, very calm, very calm, which you don't want because that thing about the calm before the storm, that's real. So, you know, you're awakened out of a sound sleep and you're trying to put all these pieces together. I'm like, well, do we need to go in the basement? And then I realize I'm in fucking Florida. There are no basements. About the best thing we've got is a laundry room. It doesn't seem to me like that would be very safe. At one point I thought, well, maybe the garage because we have one of those hurricane doors. Like when I live in Chesterfield or Baldwin or any, any of the places I lived, you know, you go out to the garage Sometimes you have a power failure or some sort of mechanism failure with the garage door. You can just reach down and pull it up. Can't do that with these doors down here. They are steel reinforced with these giant steel bars that go across them because somebody figured out that during a hurricane, the overwhelming majority of damage to homes is when the wind comes in through the garage door. Garage doors are actually pretty flimsy when you start thinking about it. So a long time ago, people started saying, well, we got we to gotta have these reinforced steel doors and you cannot lift these things. You'll be Arnold Schwarzenegger. You're not going to be able to lift this thing up. So I thought, you know, maybe that's where we should go, but that's just under a roof. So maybe the door would stand the, the pressure of the wind. <laughs> if the roof flies off, what do you got, right? So as I'm figuring all of this out, I noticed that the tornado is already past us. It's moving south to north, which is very unusual. It's basically southwest to northeast, which is more of a normal tornado pattern. And so by the time I put all these pieces together and figure out, well, do we need to go hide? The thing was already past us. So this morning I get up, and if you're watching the national news, it was like the number three story on CBS this morning, all of the damage. I can't even, I, you know, I mean, I recognize a lot of these places, and there is stuff strewn all over the place. There's trees down, there's power lines down, all this sort of stuff. I figure, well, I guess I'll be staying away from there for a couple of days. So I finished the radio show this morning. And I'm just, I'm starving for some reason. So I figure I'm just going to run down to McDonald's. There's one real, right around the corner. It's not even five minutes away. And it's in a strip mall with uh, our favorite pizza place and our favorite breakfast place. You only go to the breakfast place once in a while on the weekend because food's really good, but it's expensive to eat out. And the pizza place, though, we're there like almost every Friday night. So I go pulling into the strip mall. And you're going to see these pictures on my Facebook page, the showgram with J.C. Corcoran, because 
there's damage all over the place. The tornado obviously hit there, and you can tell it was a tornado and not straight line winds because the light poles are twisted. That's what the uh, National Weather Service people come in and they look, and you can tell, especially from the air, you can look down and you can see the pattern. Because straight line winds are a bitch too. Straight line winds can really fuck up your neighborhood. But you can tell the difference between straight line wind damage and tornado damage. And this was definitely tornado damage. And so you got all of these first responders out there. You got these cranes. There's light posts laying on their side. There's debris all over the place. But to see these twisted light poles will really wake you up. So that's what we're dealing with here this morning in West Central Florida. Tomorrow, St. Louis gets its try at all of this. It's going to be a beautiful day, sunny at 80 today, 61 overnight. But tomorrow, they're already saying storms, wind, and hail, which is very unusual to include hail in a weather forecast. you got to be pretty sure of yourself before you predict hail. High tomorrow should be about 71. And then the weekend looks magnificent. Typical fall weather for St. Louis, Saturday, 62, Sunday, 58. But everybody has to get through tomorrow first. I would like to thank KMOV Channel 4 for continuing to put Laura Hediger on television. Not because she's any good, not because she's smart, not because she's pretty, because she's 0 for 3 on all of those. And I know some people think she's beautiful. I know otherwise. If you put that much makeup and hairspray on Paulie Shore, you could probably make him look that good. That hair comes down, that makeup comes off, and it's like, okay, next. And as I said, from a comedy standpoint, thank you, Channel 4. Thank you. There's a good chance they offer some type of deal on morning cocktables. Cocktails. (laughs) There we go. Cocktables. And I know some of you probably think this is sort of juvenile, and it is. But I find it fascinating how often women anchor people are on television, and they do that. They slip up and they say that instead of what it is they're trying to say. How many times have I played this for you? This is um, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell's wife. She used to work at Channel 4, and then she worked at Fox, and she's finishing the newscast on Fox and getting ready to toss it to Shepard Smith, and you've heard this. The deputy police chief says six officers were killed, including the district's top cock, top cock after a cop after the vehicle they were riding in was sprayed with bullets and those are your latest headlines i'm jane skinner time now to send you back to shepherd who is live where just outside of memphis <laughs> do you know how sorry, hard it is to, to read when everyone else in the studio is shaking with laughter at your misfortune i know i've, I've been there jane you too just you too do it now <laughs> Wow. Now, when Shepard Smith said, I've been there, this is what he was talking about. J-Lo's new song, Jenny from the Block, all about Lopez roots, about how she's still a neighborhood gal at heart. But folks from that street in New York, the Bronx section, sound more likely to give her a curb job than a blow job or block party. The New York Post, we're sorry about that slip up there. I have no idea how that happened. I think I think I do. Yeah, newscaster is just like any other job. You sit there and sometimes your mind's not on business. You're thinking about what you were doing last night or what you might be doing tonight. Your mind starts to wander a little bit. There's a word that's 
pretty close to the word you're supposed to be saying, but that's not the word you're thinking of, and it just comes out. Sask Energy is announcing a proposal to jack off, uh, up the cost of heating your home by 27 to 30%. Now, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That doesn't come out of your mouth unless you're thinking that. And here's that word again. This is from MSNBC. There's that word again. Continuing to follow the latest developments in the crash of Delta Flight 5191, 49 people killed. Here's a Black Hawk helicopter, Black Hawk helicopter surveying. <laughs> you got to be thinking that already. Oh, brother, I got pits. My hands are this way. That is the very identifiable sound of Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They're going to be in town for two shows at the Enterprise Center on December 17th, 2.30 and 7. Paul O'Neill, the founding member, but a guy who's been with him right from the beginning, guitarist Al Petrelli. Al, when uh, Paul O'Neill first came to you with this idea, and again, you know, his history of working with Aerosmith and Joan Jett and ACDC, but he comes to you with this idea. What was your initial reaction? When Paul first uh, contacted me, all he said was, I'm working on this record. I could use some help. I need a different approach guitar-wise. Paul and I had known each other about 10 years prior to that, and I said, yeah, dude, I've always been looking forward to getting in the studio with you. I'll be right there. And when I went in, he put the faders up on the song that was to become Christmas Eve Sarajevo 1224. And I looked at him, I go, what's with the Christmas song? You know, I, I didn't get it. And he laughed and he smiled. He said, well, it's not really a Christmas song. It's more a soundtrack depicting events that took place on Christmas Eve during the war in Sarajevo. Oh, a pretty big statement, you know. And I said, all right, well, I was Alice Cooper's musical director in 1989 and 90, and I took him through Zagreb and Belgrade before the war. So, you know, we had this kind of like little weird connection to that moment in history, and I just started playing the guitar. And that song, if you recall, 28 years ago, right around now, accidentally got into the hands of a couple DJs in America, and it was on. You know, it became the number one requested song in America, uh, Winter 95. And you know you got a hit on your hands if talk radio is playing this song, you know, or sports radio. And that was it. Then he said, I'm going to write an entire record around that one song. I said, you can do it anything you want. I'm with you. I'm in. I mean, this is a beautiful art form, something brand new, something different, and I'm really looking forward to this. So it really wasn't a planned thing until it became a planned thing, if that makes any sense. And how far into it, how many years into performing with Trans-Siberian Orchestra did you guys realize, wait a minute, we've got something much larger on our hands here than we thought, and it is going to be something where every year we're going to be doing this when we started selling out arenas and then we started selling multiple shows in one day in arenas and you started looking at the math saying like this year we're doing 104 shows and uh i don't know 40 something days you kind of go wow this thing really has grown up and exceeded all of our expectations i mean in the beginning we were playing a bunch of theaters and venues like that it was awesome a lot of people were coming out to celebrate paul's work but once you start making that change into arenas and paul started up in the production and one box truck led to two box trucks led to three semis and last year we had 22 tractor trailers and 12 buses you know it's like wow this thing's kind of grown up and i'm kind of proud of it you know but my eye is always on all right what's next 
how do I protect it and how do I keep it growing and how do I keep making it a little bit bigger and a little bit better every year? Because Paul always said he wants this thing to outlive all of us. And, you know, my job right now is to make sure, along with his family, you know, uh, and our management team and our production heads, just, you know, ensuring the integrity of what the project is and, and its future. You led me right into my next question because I'm fascinated by stuff like this. How many trucks? How many people? Facts about the massive production that might surprise people. How many hot dogs do you go through every year? How many cases of bottled water? That sort of stuff. Just throw some of the facts and the stats at me. Well, again, if you do the, the math from 90, you know, if you look at 99, it was one twenty-four foot box truck, six guys on the crew, uh, a fog machine, two buses, and the band. Last year, 22 trucks, 12 buses, 90-something crew people, uh, and uh, I don't know, a lot of stuff. <laughs> a lot of stuff. Well, listen, this is, you and I have had this conversation in the past. It's like when I, uh, when I first met my children, when they first opened their eyes, from infancy to being a toddler to, you know, like the first day of school, to high school, to graduation, to all of a sudden young adults to hitting 30. You know, you watch this baby grow up to be something that, you know, you hoped was going to be amazing and it exceeded all your expectations and even though my children and my older children in their 30s they're still my little boys you know same thing with the trans-siberian orchestra i watched this thing open its eyes 28 years ago and i'm still to this day amazed of what it's become and what it's yet to become so you know the trajectory it's been a long one but it's continuing on and you know if we have this conversation next year maybe it'll be 25 trucks i don't know i hope so yeah because more more is better so this thing started in 1996. There have been tremendous advances in computer technology since then. Hell, in 96, we were just getting used to even having computers. How has that changed the presentation over these decades? Oh, my God, massively. First of all, you know, the amount of square feet you need for you know, the new technology is much less. So Paul was able to take much more with him, you know. Like, you know, back in the day, if you had motorized lights, nah, that's awesome. Now you have, you know, things that, like, you know, w- with a laptop, you can program the entirety of the show. You know, we, we were able to uh, choreograph every pyro hit to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Couldn't do that 20 years ago, you know. The 3D imagery on the stages, just the way that the lights work, just the amount of programming that is just so easy now compared to how it used to be, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. I've noticed that some of your shows around the country are actually done after December 25th. Does that mm-hmm. present any problem for you? Because people, I don't know, the Christmas spirit is over. They start thinking about New Year's and the New Year and everything like that. And you're still doing this show on like December 28th and December 29th. Well, is that different at all? Not really, because the folks that come to see us and who have been with us for years now, I affectionately refer to them as our repeat offenders. They just come back year after year, and they just can't get enough. And this has become part of their holiday tradition. Now, sometimes we'll roll into their uh, communities before Christmas. Every so often it'll be uh, after Christmas. But I've heard them say for decades now, it's not really officially the holidays until I come see your show or I play your music in my home from Thanksgiving until New Year's. And that's like become our family tradition. So, you know, a day or two after Christmas doesn't really to affect anybody. They just want to celebrate their tradition. And, and I'm grateful for that. I've noticed over the years that there is some confusion on the parts of some people between you guys and Mannheim Steamroller. What would you say? What would you say the difference in the two acts is? And by the way, do you have a relationship with those guys? Do you see them as competitors? Are you fans of one another? Talk, talk a little bit about that. 
I don't see us being in competition. I think it's two completely different things, and I have the utmost admiration, you know, for what they created, and you know, continued success and all that. I, I don't know. I think that you know they do what they do. We do what we do. You know, Radio City did what Radio City did every Christmas. There's always room for something. You know, it's like if you look at the amount of uh, movies that were made over the years regarding you know Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, or the ones that became tradition. You know, start with like you know Burl Ives and Rudolph or Charlie Brown. You know, with Vince Giraldi's beautiful, beautiful score. You know, Miracle on 34th Street, it's a wonderful life. You know, I think there's room for anybody who's just doing something good and presenting a positive art form and a wonderful art form. So, no, I'm okay with it. You know, and listen, if there was any competition, good. That makes us both better in the long run. You touched on this a little bit. Your entire holiday season is spent on the road. Most people Uh are spending time with family and hanging up lights and decorating the tree and just having that time that people have every year right around Christmas. You guys are just hopping from city to city to city. You must have one hell of an understanding family. Um, maybe. Uh, I, I didn't ask them. <laughs> you know, it just, it, look, it, this is what it is. You know, um, I met my wife. Uh, we've been together 10 years now uh, with two little girls. Uh, they kind of like were born into this. They don't know anything different. Uh, my older children were, like, very young when this thing started, but they kind of grew up with it and accepted it for what it is. Uh, I've been doing it for, you know, since our first tour in 99. So I don't really know anything else. I'm not really interested in anything else. I get to celebrate Christmas 52, 53 times in 52 or 53 shows this year with communities and families all over America. Whether my immediate family understands or not, they do. You know, they, they kind of get it because they know how much I love this thing. With the exception of COVID, you know, uh, Nicole and the kids come out to visit on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, wherever I am. And then we have our big formal family thing when I get home around New Year's, you know. So it, it's fine. And I don't really want to do anything else. I love what I do. You realize that is disgustingly well-adjusted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Two big shows, Enterprise Center, December 17th, 2.30 and 7. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. We'll hit them with the ticket information here in just a little while. Al, great to talk to you again. You're on a roll. This is a wonderful thing, part of everybody's holiday tradition. Have a tremendous time while you're in St. Louis. Thanks, Al. Thank you, my brother. Happy holidays to you and yours, and always respect. I'll talk to you soon. Good guy, Al Petrelli. We've had him on the air before. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, two big shows, Enterprise Center, December 17th. 2.30 and 7, and those tickets go on sale this weekend at the usual ticket outlet. Speaking of tickets, Powerball, again, California. I was just talking about this the other day. Why does it always seem like they have these giant, big-ass jackpots, $1.73 billion in this particular case, and again, it's California. I'm starting to become a little suspicious about the lottery. I can't even look up at the TV anymore, especially with the 24-hour cable channels this israel stuff and the gaza strip by the time you know this is the last podcast we do for the week we do monday through thursday so we won't talk on the podcast again until monday morning and by then i'm afraid where things are going to be we have another well alleged criminal in the nfl sergio brown arrested for allegedly killing his mother i love the story about barbara walter sherry shepherd and joey behar revealed barbara walters was into black men She had sex with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor and Barbara Walters together. Why do I have difficulty imagining that? But that's what they say. 
and she had a major crush on Colin Powell. Cher denying rumors she had her son, Elijah Blue, kidnapped as part of a drug intervention. But then she gave this quote, I'm a mother, this is my job, one way or another, to try and help my children, end quote. So something sounds like it went on. I continue to battle this laryngitis. Chris Stapleton's doctor put him on vocal rest because of bronchitis and laryngitis, so he's postponing a bunch of shows. That Frasier reboot pops up tonight on Paramount+, Plus, and I've already gone on record as saying this thing is going to be a major bomb. If you had a video of this and tried to go through airport security, they would arrest you. Why? Because you're carrying a bomb with you, this Frasier reboot. Boy, does it look unfunny. Saturday Night Live coming back this weekend, and they're scattering as many SNL people around on the late-night talk shows as possible. Chloe Fineman on with Jimmy Fallon. Tonight, John Mulaney, who used to write all of the Stefan sketches with Bill Hader. He'll be on Colbert. Bowen Yang, probably the most all-around talented person to come into Saturday Night Live in decades. He's on with Seth Meyers. I told the story before about how this was like, what year would this have been? Let me get this right. 84. Right before I left Buffalo, New York, Robert Plant had a show in Buffalo. And I don't know, it was like four o'clock in the afternoon. And the promoter said, we can still sell some tickets. Let's uh, throw you in the limo and let's make the rounds. We're going to take you to some of the big radio stations. And you go on to a quick interview, maybe sell some extra tickets. Fine, sure, why not? Robert Plant and his small entourage come gallivanting into 97 Rock in Buffalo. Our receptionist was a young gal by the name of Madeline Borden, who was probably the best-looking woman I saw in Buffalo the whole time I was there, and she worked for us as our receptionist. Well, Robert Plant walks in. Their eyes meet, and without saying a word, he walks a short distance from the front door of the radio station to the reception desk and just grabs Madeline and plants, Robert Plant planted one right on our receptionist, and she did not resist, by the way. Probably couldn't do that now. Probably couldn't do it now. Well, now Madonna says the first time she met Al Pacino was the late 70s, and she walked over and stuck her tongue in his ear. Does that work? Damn right it does. South Park taking on AI in its new Paramount Plus special teaser dropped yesterday. Federal Trade Commission proposing a ban on hidden concert ticket fees. Well, it's about goddamn time. Somebody was telling me about a, uh, it was up in Chicago, Chicago suburbs, and there was some sort of concert, and the tickets were like, I want to say 40 bucks. The service fee was 15 on a $40 ticket. Ann Wilson brought a special guest out for Barracuda during her show on Tuesday night. Her sister, Nancy, good. Mary Lou Retton's fundraiser has now reached well over $300,000 as people still try to figure out why Mary Lou Retton didn't have health insurance. John Denver died of blunt force trauma on this day 26 years ago when his plane crashed into the Pacific Ocean near Monterey Bay, California. He was only 53. Coastal authorities never recovered his head, his pelvis, his kidneys, or his spleen. That's somewhere at the bottom of the ocean. And Wilt Chamberlain, the man who claimed to have slept with 20,000 women, died on this day 24 years ago, presumably of exhaustion. And Costco is getting into the health care business. Oh yeah, very appropriate, since the reason most people need health care is a result of ingesting 
a 72-gallon tub of mayonnaise, but you still have to buy two of them. And director Michael Mann says his next film is going to be a sequel to Heat. This time Al Pacino and Robert De Niro engage in a massive gunfight at a bingo hall. And with that, the J.C. Corcoran Podcast for Thursday, October 12, 2023, is in the can. We're here every Monday through Thursday at 11 o'clock with the J.C. Corcoran Podcast. You may contact me with stuff, my Facebook page, the showgram with J.C. Corcoran. Email jc at jconthewine.com. Spread the word if you're able. We're on the air every weekday morning at 101.5 St. Louis, 101.7 West of Beyond, and streaming at kwolf.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back on Monday. In the meantime, we've beaten this one to death. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. The J.C. Corcoran Podcast.